Because everyone deserves to experience the joy of a beautiful day at the lake. Because if polar bears thrive, humans will too. Because people and wildlife need fresh air, clean water, and healthy places to live. Today on Because Radio, Nature Manitoba promotes an appreciation of nature and the outdoors. We visit the Carberry Plains Museum in Carberry, Manitoba on a road trip. This week's Winnipeg Impact Makers Northern Prairie Paws team up with Brickhouse Gym for a new awareness campaign. And we'll revisit some highlights from the Because and Effect podcast. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio, episode number 18. My name is Robert Zirk. My co-host, Sonny Primolo, is away this week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We have a great show for you. Uh, today's foundation feature focuses on environment and animal welfare. And uh, we're going to be learning about Nature Manitoba, which connects people over their love of nature and the outdoors. And with the help of many dedicated volunteers, Nature Manitoba also offers a variety of activities and educational opportunities that promote and preserve Manitoba's natural spaces. So uh, seeing as how there's a little bit of summer left, we thought it would be great to uh, showcase Nature Manitoba this week. So we'll learn a little bit more about the organization coming up here on Because Radio. But before we get to that, we always start things off with a song, and seeing as how our foundation feature is on Nature Manitoba this week, we thought we'd play Wood Knots with Waltzing Through the Leaves right here on Because Radio on 93.7 CJNU.
This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on environment and animal welfare. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined via telephone by Katrina Fraze. She is a Manterio Cabin Committee volunteer with Nature Manitoba. Katrina, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. You're welcome. So first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about Nature Manitoba and what exactly that it does. Nature Manitoba is a not-for-profit organization that uh, has the priority of joining people together who are passionate about nature. Uh, and providing a, a platform for member-led activities to be advertised, uh, as well as uh, taking a stance that promotes uh, activities in the wilderness that uh, support the ecological integrity of those ecosystems. That's fantastic. And I understand that Nature Manitoba is involved in, in many different areas. You volunteer with the Manterio Wilderness Centre. There's also bird studies projects that Nature Manitoba is a part of. So it sounds like a lot of really diverse initiatives that encompass Manitoba's outdoors. So there's opportunities for people of all ages to take part in activities that Nature Manitoba uh, plans and organizes. Uh, Everything from discovery evenings, which are presentations that people can uh, head out to, uh, to wilderness trips. You volunteer with the uh, Manterio Cabin on the committee that manages the, the Manterio Wilderness Centre. What is the Manterio Wilderness Centre uh, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with it? Can you describe it for us? Yeah, for sure. So the Manterio Wilderness Centre is uh, it's basically a remote cabin uh, that's in the Whiteshell Provincial Park. Uh, it's about a 20-kilometer journey in there. Uh, you can head in there any season of the year, uh, either on skis uh, or in the summertime by canoe. People do link to it at times off of the hiking trail, the Manterio Hiking Trail, which people may have heard of, uh, but it is on an island. It's a facility that's accessed by members of Nature Manitoba uh, who have the experience of heading out there uh, and the knowledge of how to use the cabin. Uh, but there are opportunities for people who have never been on a canoe trip or never been out there before to take part in trips that are led by volunteers of Nature Manitoba who are experienced with the area. So they'll teach you how to get out there and how do you, how do you experience the cabin safely uh, and enjoy uh, some time out in the wilderness. Tell us a little bit about your role on the Manterio Cabin Committee and uh, the role that volunteers take in making sure that you know the cabin and its programming can operate year-round. So I, uh, I volunteer on the committee to uh, help coordinate work parties where groups of people head out to this cabin and do uh, seasonal maintenance to make sure that uh, there's firewood stocked for the winter, um, that the cabin itself is well-maintained, uh, and taking care of things like uh, the composting toilets. Um, also, I coordinate uh, purchasing food in the winter, which is shipped in uh, by snowmobile, uh, so that there is a stock of food there for the summer program. Um, other volunteers of Manterio lead uh, summer programs, which are uh, the guided canoe trips that people can take part in. So that's another volunteer role that's available is uh, leading those programs uh, to head out to the cabin. What do you find most rewarding about volunteering with Nature Manitoba? I am the type of person that loves being uh, in the outdoors. I love canoeing, and I just find it very rewarding to be able to learn a little bit about how to maintain a cabin, but also to be able to be a part of facilitating the activities that get uh, people out to the cabin, people out into the wilderness that haven't experienced that before. 
tell us about some of the kinds of programming that uh, that Nature Manitoba offers uh, in the summer for people who uh, you know are maybe interested in discovering more about Manitoba's outdoors and nature. Yeah, so uh, the Ontario Summer Program uh, is wrapping up for this year, but each summer there are a series of weeks that are offered with different themes, everything from astronomy, photography, to birding, um, and to simply a fishing week, or a week where uh, it's just mostly focused on relaxation and unplugging. There's great swimming around the cabin, there's a, a sauna out there. Um, and people can just go out to relax and recuperate. So those opportunities are available every summer in July and in August. They're a week long, and some are a four-day weekend as well. So if any of those things interest anyone, uh, can check out the Nature Manitoba website. As I said, the the Ontario program is over for this summer, but new themes are posted, I think, at least by May every year, so you can take a look and see uh, what you might be interested in taking part in. Great. So a good way to make the most of next summer and, and maybe even take part in some of the winter programs, too. Yeah. And so and if people are interested, uh, they already have some experience with canoeing and some maintenance experience and are interested in taking part in a volunteer work party. There is one coming up the third weekend in September uh, that's listed up on the website already. So if someone's ready to jump in already, that's uh, that opportunity is already available. So that's naturemanitoba.ca. Katrina Fraze is a volunteer with Nature Manitoba. Katrina, thank you again so much for speaking with me today about Nature Manitoba and the Manterio Cabin. You're welcome. Up next on Because Radio, we're heading just a bit north on Highway 5 to Carberry, Manitoba, where we visited the Carberry Plains Museum on this week's road trip. But first, here's Nadia Douglas with Get Here on Because Radio on 93.7 CJNU. Surely you would be closer And I 
moments of into my life Take me up on a carpet ride You can make it in a big balloon But you better Welcome to the Because Radio Road Trip. Today we're visiting the Carberry Plains Museum in Carberry, Manitoba. Let's go! I'm Jeremy Morantz. I'm here with Gloria Mott and Lee Heinrich at the Carberry Plains Museum in Carberry, Manitoba. Thank you so much both for talking to me today. You're what, more than welcome. You're welcome. Let's start off uh, pretty general and high level. Tell our listeners what the Carberry Plains Museum is. Well, the Carberry Plains Museum was uh, originally came about because of an organization called the IODE felt strongly that there was a lot of history and artifacts in our community that needed to be preserved for future generations. So they uh, bought the building that uh, James White had built that was originally his sash and door and then later his garage uh, for fixing carriages and and uh, motors and cars when cars came out and renovated it into the museum. And then in 2005, we were able to buy the gingerbread house which he had built. The family that was living in it felt very strongly that the history of it should be preserved as well and they offered it to the museum at a price that we could afford. And with the support of our town councils and our community foundation, we were able to purchase it and um, they helped us with paying off the mortgage and all of the renovations and inside changes because it had been changed into a boarding house. A lot of the rooms were cut up and changed. Uh, was done by volunteers. Primarily, um, a lot of the board members did a tremendous amount of work here. We're actually sitting in the gingerbread house right now, and I have to say it's quite remarkable from the outside. It has quite a distinct look, and even on the inside, uh, it, it's very uh, spacious and also of its time. It's uh, it's, and it's also full of artifacts. Um, I wanted to, to ask you about the, the history of the town of Carberry itself. You were telling me it was supposed to be somewhere and it ended up somewhere else. <laughs> Why don't you get into that, that history for us? The town was originally being built in about two and a half miles east of here, and it was called DeWinton. 
Now, some speculators that were working with the railroad were buying up land that they weren't supposed to be doing. And so when the railway directors were coming through and they realized this was happening, they made the decision that they were going to move the town. So they had hired approximately 100 men, as uh, history goes. They went in the dark of the night and they bodily moved the train station two and a half miles west to where it presently is the town of Carberry. Um, it, that was done, Carberry came into being around 1893, and then the town was incorporated with the RM in 1905. And it's been a very prosperous town. It uh, has been predominantly farming and uh, a lot of livestock and mercantile um, business and inventing and stuff went on on in this town. At one time there was seven elevators, which are all gone now, and uh, there was a creamery, there's an electric light company. We were, were very early to electric uh, light in the town. It was 30 years before what the RM got, and so it's been a very progressive town, continues to be progressive, although, you know, we are struggling a bit population-wise. In the museum itself, there are a number of interesting exhibits. Uh, there are a few I want to ask you guys about. One, uh, the town of Carberry had a, has a pretty unique connection to World War II uh, with the uh, Air Force training. Can you talk about uh, what, what was happening back then in the area? Um, well, in World War II, there was an air training uh, facility built just south of Carberry. And the, all the uh, airmen from England a lot were brought here where they trained. Some of the U.S. Uh, military came here for training as well as a lot of our Canadian, um, Manitoba and Saskatchewan boys were here to train. Um, there, it, it also brought a boom to the town because the soldiers would go back and forth to Winnipeg on their leave days and some of the uh, townspeople uh, made taxis out of their vehicles and they were able to take these guys where they wanted to. There was a lot of dancing and partying and stuff going on and consequently a few marriages resulted from it. But uh, we, uh, the air training facility is now McCain's Potato facility where a lot of the french fries we provide french fries for mcdonald's so potato farming is a huge agricultural industry here right now another exhibit that i found interesting uh, in the museum is notable carbarians is people from carbar are they carbarians carberries carberites carbarians <laughs> notable carbarians why don't you uh, tell us about some of those um, Tommy Douglas has a connection to Carberry. Uh, Tommy uh, married a, a woman from Petrel, which is just north of here, and uh, so there, part of our museum is dedicated to him. Part is to Stanley Knowles, who was a frequent visitor here. He was a longtime MP in Parliament. Um, we also have uh, Ernest Thompson Seton, and along with, there's a Seton Centre in town as well, but we have some of the famous naturalists um, uh, display of his his uh, items, and he was very famous, uh, actually instrumental in starting the Boy Scouts, I believe. And and the th the fourth one in that section is um, Muriel Hope, who is an artist currently who was raised here, but currently lives in Winnipeg and has done a tremendous amount of uh, sculptures, paintings, um, very very well done and well known. Uh, 
One other person that we we um, honor is Wap May, who was born actually just up the road here, uh, half a block, and uh, he became a World War One ace during the war dur during World War One, and and also uh, a uh, bush pilot after he was done. So, uh, yeah, we have some famous connections in this town. Can you tell us about uh, maybe the sports culture from Carberry? I, I understand that. It's a big curling town. Yes, Carberry has always been um, fanatics about curling, and there's been some very good curlers that have gone right to the national levels in, in the older days when they were called the British Consoles and, and uh, Bonspiels and stuff in, in Winnipeg and Toronto. Um, there was several families that were uh, very uh, predominating in the sport, and um, History has it that the game of takeout was developed here because curling was sort of an old man's, older man's sport, and they weren't so keen on having the young fellas join in. So the young fellas made their own teams, and when they realized that they could start knocking the older guys out, rocks out, that's what they started doing, and it wasn't too well received by the older fellas. Anyway, it's gone on to change the game. And also, um, we've had several hockeys that, hockey players that have gone on to play juniors. We've got quite a few kids that are, have gone to university, and one in particular is Moreg McPherson. Um, she had a full-ride scholarship to an Ivy League um, college in the States, and then she played uh, for the Canadian uh, Olympic team. She didn't actually play in the Olympics because she left the team just before the, the last Olympics that uh, were in her age category sort of thing um, but she was excellent and we have her team canada jersey in the museum so the local community foundation is the carberry area Commu community foundation tell us a little bit about your relationship and how it's benefited the museum uh, the carberry area community foundation they um they give out grants twice a year and uh, we've been very very fortunate to be able to access money to do uh, up repairs to this place to do new displays, do signage. Um, they uh, and they were instrumental in uh, us paying off the mortgage on the gingerbread house. So they have played an integral role with us being able to do what we do. Finally, in your words, what's the importance of preserving these artifacts and these memories and all the memorabilia that you could find here at the Carbier Plains Museum? Why is that important? Um, if we don't preserve these things, if you don't know where you've come from, it's hard to know, to appreciate where you're going and where where you're headed. And so it, um, this, the museum serves as a place to educate, to educate young people. Uh, we do tours of students and uh, and we, we teach them about how things used to be and maybe they get a bit of an appreciation for the way things are now if uh, if they can if they can see these things and appreciate that i think too the purpose of a museum is is along with preserving our heritage and our past we have to show what's happening as we go forward in the future that we are also making history as we go along and that we can't just focus on pioneer life that we have to move forward with all of the different um, things that are changing in the world because it's almost unbelievable how life has changed in the last 50 years with technology and the internet and just communication. So 
Uh, we hope to be able to do that going forward, and um, we just really love it when people come for tours of our museum or come to see what we have. So lastly, if listeners out there would like to learn more, they'd like to uh, come by to the museum, what details do you have to offer? We're open daily from 12 till 5. Um, that's every day. And there's someone there to give tours. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, and we're in the process of getting a web page done, but it's not done yet. So, yeah. Well, Gloria and Lee, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming out. We really appreciate the, the interest that you've shown in the museum today. Thanks for joining us on the Because Radio Road Trip. We'll see you next week, same time, different place. Thanks, Jeremy. Up next on Because Radio, my co-host Sonny Primolo has been highlighting impact makers in our community as part of our Winnipeg Impact Makers segment. This week's impact maker is Northern Prairie Paws, a clothing manufacturer that's teaming up with Brickhouse Gym for a new campaign to raise awareness of animals in need. Before we get to that, though, here is Harvey Pollock with a medley, starting with The Whistler and His Dog, and then followed by Mersey Dotes and Heartaches, right here on 93.7 CJNU.
Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sunny Promolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Jennifer Medlicott, co-founder of Northern Prairie Paws, a Winnipeg-based clothing brand that places an importance on animal rescue efforts and outreach programs. And with her is J.T. Smith, owner of Brickhouse Gym. Thank you for coming on Big Cause Radio. Thank you for having us. What is Northern Prairie Paws? Northern Prairie Paws is a small clothing line um, started a couple years ago, all in hopes of raising funds. And it kind of grew into something where we raise awareness, we organize volunteer efforts for other nonprofits in the city, and uh, we do a lot of collaboration with rescue groups all over Manitoba. What was your because? Why did you feel the need to support this particular effort? Well, I mean, I've always been an animal lover, and I was really fortunate to work for an animal rescue shelter um, back in 2013, and that kind of started this love and need and desire to do more. So after I left that organization, I thought that there's got to be more than I, that I can do. And after learning about all the issues um, that are affecting many communities in our province, um, I just had to get involved, and this was a small way for me to use my tools to help raise awareness and, and some fund. So let's talk about how your business works. Uh, typically, every article of clothing you sell, proceeds go to certain efforts. How does that work? Yeah, so actually a hundred like everything that we make goes away. Everything is volunteer run through Northern Prairie Paws. Um, I design the clothes, we purchase the clothes, we sell them in markets and online. And then what we do is we work with specific groups. Um, we used to do it monthly, but depending on sales and our volumes, um, we kind of decide maybe doing quarterly donations to certain programs. And then what we also do is we collaborate with groups. So they tell us what they need, um, and then we, we create deadlines, and we use our funds to either purchase supplies or set up volunteer efforts, all the funding paid for that helps with those initiatives. Um, just recently, we actually set up a, a pop-up triage center just to get 25 animals that were making their trek from northern Manitoba all the way to Ontario to rescue, and we needed to feed and vet all the dogs, and, and that was a big project for us, and those are the things we love doing. Wow, that's super amazing. So what are some of the organizations that you've supported, and how do you choose who to support? Well, when I got started with this work back in 2013, I was very fortunate to uh, get to know some of these frontline rescue workers. Um, and it basically started with having dinners with these organizations and their directors. And the very first organization we supported financially was Save a Dog Network. Um, from there, we started to work with Earth Dog Terrier Rescue. And then uh, most recently, and our largest donations have been towards Norway House Animal Rescue. They kind of, they opened their arms to us and uh, took us under their wing, taught us everything they know, and they get us involved with almost every project that they're doing. So we're really proud to be able to collaborate with them. So how much would you say Northern Prairie Paws has contributed to this cause so far? Um, for all of our donations since um, we began, um, we're over $4,000 wow. in contributions. And then we also have traveled over 3,000 kilometers in the last six months, uh, just driving animals um, into foster care or out of province to rescue. And that's been very exciting, something we really enjoy doing. And uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of contributions, you brought someone with you today. Let's talk about this upcoming campaign and what's that all about? 
Um, yeah, so I brought with me a good friend of mine, JT Smith, the owner of Brickhouse Gym, and um, he's come up with this really great idea to raise awareness uh, for projects that we collaborate with and uh, rescue initiatives all over Manitoba. So this is quite an amazing thing you're doing, JT. Uh, what was your because behind all this? Why did you want to do this so badly? I felt that I, I kind of needed a challenge. And uh, I saw a video by Mike Posner, the this uh, famous uh, pop star, and the song was called Move On, and he had uh, lost some people in his life. Uh, his dad had passed away, I guess, in the last year and a half. And he just got to the point that he wanted to do something that would challenge him and make him feel fulfilled and happy. And, you know, here's a very affluent, very popular celebrity, and he decided to walk across the United States starting March 1st of this year. In fact, he's made it to Colorado right now. And uh, he actually just got a bit by a, a rattlesnake, so he's, he's convalescing. But anyway, I digress. And so I started thinking more. My, my own dad got sick in May, and uh, he had to go in for some surgeries. And I thought, you know what? I, I feel like I, I need to do something that's going to physically challenge me, something I can get behind, you know, kind of uh, heart, body, and soul. And what it was, was for me, was going to be cycling. Mm. And uh, so what I decided to do was to start training quietly on the side, make sure I could kind of test the concept, went to a couple of people I could confide in to, you know, be discreet about this because I thought, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it cr correctly and, and properly and make sure that I'm injury free after I, I, I finish this trek. And then, uh, you know, the, the idea developed as my training developed. Uh, at first, I thought it would be something like crossing Winnipeg. You know, I was just happy to do a couple kilometers at a time. And then I started having to improve on my equipment and my health got better. I started getting better shape. I was losing a bunch of weight. And after a while, I was starting to travel where I could go from one end of the city to the other. And I was mostly going to see my dad, especially as he was convalescing after his surgeries. So it started being kind of like a daily trek. You know, if I didn't cycle that day, then I would run it. And then I, you know, I was starting to put big kilometers and like 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers a day. And I started really taking some pride in, in what I was accomplishing. And then I was thinking to myself, okay, as this idea was uh, coming more to fruition, I thought, you know, I'm finally going to, I've always had Northern Prairie Paws in mind. Uh, it's an organization that uh, my company, we have always kind of put forth whenever we want to do something hand in hand. Uh, it's usually with this organization because we like the people, we like the concept. And that's something, uh, again, that, you know, we're just very passionate about. We have, in fact, we have a cat in one of our gyms, you know, oh. he's, he's like a service cat. So, you know, we really believe in having animals in the workplace and uh, in around in the community. So uh, about a month and a half ago, I approached Jen. I said, this is what I'd like to do. Is this something that you'd be happy to assist me with, especially when it comes to, you know, again, this is about just creating awareness. You know, I'm, we're doing this. My company is ensuring that I can take the time off and that I can, you know, account for my training. So uh, uh, at the end of the day, it was just about really shining more awareness of what uh, these people are doing at this organization. So essentially what, what, what the concept was, was to go from uh, crossing Manitoba, going from one border to the next. So okay. starting at the Saskatchewan border, I'm doing a, a five-day trek, about 100 to 120 kilometers a day, and I camp out on the road. Uh, I've heard that the ditches are very comfortable. I don't know if that's true or not. I think <laughs> the person was pulling my leg. Um, but essentially, I'll be going from... Uh, uh, the Saskatchewan border to Brandon, Brandon to Fortra Prairie, Fortra Prairie to Stonewall, and Stonewall to uh, the White Mouth area. And then I end on the Labor Day weekend on the Monday when my family's coming back from the cabin. They're picking me up in West Hawk. So right at the border there where we have, uh, I think, the, the giant... Uh, provincial sign so you're not just going on the paved roads uh, you're actually going to 
risk uh, going on the gravel roads as well. Yes, I have. I've been practicing on some of the, the gravel roads, especially going like near Beaudry Park. And it's a little slower going, but it's a more scenic and it's less nerve wracking with all the transport trucks going by. So absolutely. And we wish you the best of luck. So this is happening on August 28th. Is that correct? So August 28th, uh, one of my athletes is uh, dropping me off at the border overnight and then in the morning sunrise ceremony get up have some coffee and hop on the bike and start pedaling my way maybe do a quick instagram post for all my athletes and then it's time to put the music on and and put the pedal to the ground what do you hope to achieve from doing this and what do you hope happens after this is all said and done if we can show that uh, we can just create awareness first and we show you know the proper civic spirit that we have I think that double lend itself later on to really draw more attention again to Northern Prairie Pods and then hopefully making sure we can get some, some more funding for them. For those that see JT Smith on the road, make sure you drive safely around him, of course, and, uh, you know, give him a wave and say hi. This is all amazing, and this is just one of the many ways that Northern Prairie Pods is supporting the community. Could you potentially provide us a sneak peek of what we can expect from you in the future? Well, we're always uh, looking at unique ways that we can help uh, rescues. Uh, winter is coming, and it's usually a pretty uh, difficult time of year because uh, we race against the clock to try and get animals um, in and safely um, to beat the weather. And uh, one project that we've been supporting annually is uh, a Halo Houses program. So basically, you can sponsor a house, a dog house, and those are transported to communities, northern remote communities. Um, that don't have resources for that kind of stuff. And it it gives these animals a safe haven until we have time to transport them back into Winnipeg, fly them out to rescues out of province, or um, get adopted into loving homes. Very awesome. For those looking to support and literally wear their hearts on their sleeves, how can they learn more about Northern Prairie Paws? Well, we do have a website, uh, northernprairiepaws.com, and um, all the purchases you make really support us. It supports um, all the work that we do, so we can go shopping online. Um, if you want to donate directly to a cause, we do have a donation page, and within that, we have a few causes that we like to support. And you can see also on our impact page, the impact that we've been making since we launched. For those that are looking to support her efforts, uh, definitely check out that website. And of course, check out Brickhouse Gym and CJT over there as well. And uh, how can people reach you, JT, or learn more about Brickhouse Gym? On the landing page that we'll have for Northern Prairie Pods, there'll be a redirect as well for Brickhouse Gym. But otherwise, people can check out uh, us at uh, www.brickhousegym.ca. And uh, we have lots of different programs and uh, yeah, we have different initiatives that we that we take on in the city of Winnipeg. Thanks to Jen and JT for sharing their story of impact. If anyone you know is making an impact in our city, message us on social media by searching the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN or reach out and call us at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Pomolo and you're listening to Because Radio. Thanks, Sonny. Up next, Nolan Bicknell will be joining the show to highlight some of the answers that we heard as part of the Just Because segment from the past season of Because and Effect. If you're not familiar with Just Because, it's the segment at the end of the podcast, which is Because and Effect, the Winnipeg Foundation's podcast. And at the end, Nolan asks his guest the same seven questions. And uh, it's 
fascinating to hear the responses from all different perspectives from so many different guests and uh, we'll be hearing some of the responses that uh, that stood out to Nolan from his production of season one if you're looking for more because in effect season two is in production so stay tuned to because radio for more details on that in the coming weeks so we'll have those highlights from because in effect coming up but first Here's John Snell with Calling to You, right here on 93.7 CJNU.
Welcome back to Because Radio. My name is Nolan Bicknell. I'm the host of the Winnipeg Foundation's podcast, Because and Effect, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. I'm here today to let you know that season two of our podcast is launching in just two weeks, starting Tuesday, September the 3rd. Um, so that's season two, but if you haven't listened to the Because and Effect podcast, all of season one is up for free in its entirety at www.becauseandeffect.com. Org, or you can just search Because and Effect uh, on anywhere you get your podcast. So Spotify, iTunes, any of the above. Season one includes guests like uh, Scott Oak, Cal Barteski, Ace Burpee, Sister Leslie Suckerman, and so many more, all talking about the causes that they care about and why it's important to give back to your community. Today, I'd like to give just a few examples of some of the great moments from season one. And uh, yeah, you can hopefully check out the rest of the conversations if you like what you hear. So let's get right to it. Episode 9 of Season 1 featured famed Winnipeg photographer Ian McCausland. Ian and I talked about the importance of community and just all sorts of different things, but I loved what he really had to say as sort of advice to young activists looking to make a difference in the world. Articulate the desire to, to help. Articulate the desire that, that you want to change. And chances are somebody's going to hear you and say, I've got just the thing. Right. Um, but make sure you pick something that you can feel passionate about like don't don't do something that you're not you're not passionate about um because that passion is going to fuel you because it's going to be it's going to feel like work at times but at um so you want to be you want to feel motivated in episode 10, I spoke with Kate Friesen of The Story Source, and our conversation was wonderful. Kate was so, so generous and, and such a lovely conversation. Um, she had some really cool and interesting insights about finding your calling and really, and really leaning into that. One of the quotes that really resonates with me, and I can only paraphrase because I'm not good at specific, at, at mm-hmm. direct quotes. No, that's fine. Is by Frederick Buchner, and the paraphrase is, your calling is that place where your deep joy and the world's deep need meet. Ooh. And that has been my compass and my guide. And I have found that within every career that I've done. And when I feel like it's not happening anymore, then I need to have some good, honest conversations with myself about where that deep joy might be. Episode 11 was the executive director of the Winnipeg Folk Festival, Lynn Skirmita. She and I talked about the Folk Fest. We talked about traveling and music and all sorts of great things. But I really loved what she had to say about how the Winnipeg Folk Fest has always sort of been a positive, almost like a bastion of light in an increasingly dark and negative world. When you think about all the negative stuff that we hear in the news, it's really easy to get bogged down with with negativity and, and, and get kind of bummed out about where the world is going. But I think one of the things that's, that keeps me um, buoyant and keeps me positive and optimistic is knowing that the festival exists and the people that make the festival happen exist because there is goodness in humanity and it, it is exemplified at, uh, at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. In the season finale of Because and Effect, the podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, uh, that was episode 12, Mark Chipman from the True North Sports and Entertainment and the True North Youth Foundation talked about how True North and how the Winnipeg Jets can use their platforms to magnify good causes and really shine a light on the great work that's being done here in our city. There's a wide range of causes that we support for any number of ways. You know, we, we have this unique ability to bring awareness to things. So you know, we, we do a bunch of work with Cancer Care Manitoba and, uh, and, and can be a bit of a f- 
a force multiplier there and just in bringing awareness mental health for above and beyond what we do you know we, we're partnered with bell so we can piggyback on the work that they do and so forth we do a lot of work in supporting um uh the military and their various causes um which mm-hmm. are very congruent with with the things that we do so it, it you know we're, we kind of spray the infield in a lot of respects but we're very very we're, we're very concentrated in in other areas For sure. so these are just four examples from the first 12 episodes that make up season one of the because and effect podcast uh, as i mentioned at the top of the top of the segment you can go to becauseandeffect.org to listen to any episode from the first season for free Uh, each episode is about half an hour or 40 minutes long and they're all really good conversations with some prominent winnipeggers just kind of talking about what makes winnipeg great and and how they can help give back and the causes that they care about you can search Because and Effect through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or basically anywhere you get your podcasts. Or just go to becauseandeffect.org and you can check out all 12 episodes for free. I'm Nolan Bicknell, host of Because and Effect. We'll see you September 3rd for the launch of Season 2. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Because Radio on 93.7 CJNU. Robert Zirk here with you today, and we have time for one more song before we say goodbye today. Here is the Altamont Orchestra with The Last Waltz, right here on Because Radio.
And that's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and a big thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. And if you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg Impact Makers, please give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Or you can also email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. On behalf of my co-host, Sonny Primolo, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend.